0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome today to our Sunday service for, what is it, June the 14th, 2020, and I'm just going to have a quick word of prayer with you all. Thank you so much for joining in with us, uh, and we're going to have a couple of songs today provided to us by a church in Ontario called Movement Church, and so we're thankful for them helping us out in worship today. Father, we thank you. We have an opportunity wherever we are, just to uh, deliberately choose to worship you and to deliberately choose uh, God to focus on you. And it is so easy for us to not do that. There are so many competing things, even though we're spending so much time at home. Uh, but God, I pray that we would take advantage of these moments that we have and uh, Lord, I'm just envisioning the people of City Point church in in different places in different homes. Uh, God, I can see all of their faces and I'm just so thankful Lord that we continue to press on, we continue to um, uh, to gather even electronically together and uh, Lord I pray that you would do something special in each home today that you would you would uh, be felt and your presence would be real right where people are in their living rooms, in their basements, in their backyards, uh, God, on their cellular devices and laptops and TVs. God, that you would just be the center of attention. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Sing together, The Weapon. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never Fear. I'm gonna see and feel A victory. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that today we can take you at your word. It's your promises, they never fail. It's your promises to us are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We're so grateful, Lord, that we get to gather together, even online, to worship you. Lord, I pray that you would bless every family, you bless every household, every mom, dad, every child, Every person who's in this, in this room, in this online room right now that we're cultivating, Lord, I pray that they would receive a touch of your hand right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus'
0: name, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Uh, as as we were singing that song, there's a passage of scripture that came to mind that I'd like to read to you. It's from Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, the writer here, we're not sure who it is, could be Paul, could be Barnabas, uh, but this is the great faith chapter. We sometimes call it the hall of faith chapter and starts with, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for and he starts naming people, uh, he names Abel. He names Enoch. He names Noah. He names Abraham. And he continues with this list. And verse 13 is what's so striking. He says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They did not. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own if they had been thinking of the country they had left they would have had opportunity to return instead they were longing for a better country a heavenly one not a natural one therefore God is not ashamed to be their God for He has prepared a city for them. They welcomed them from a distance. They saw pieces and shadows of the promise of God. And I don't know where you're at today. And uh, I know for each one of us who follow Jesus, there's this, there's this sense of promise that we have from him. And and maybe you're frustrated and maybe you say, when's it going to come? When's it going to happen? And you look around this world and it seems to be getting more and more chaotic, more and more looking like it's out of God's control. Maybe that promise looks very, very far away. Well, these people... They held on to that promise right until their last breath. So, Father, we pray today uh, that you would, above all things, uh, Lord, you would increase our our faith. And um, Jesus said that even if it's as small as a mustard seed, little tiny little faith, it's 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 very significant, very powerful in our lives. So, Lord, I pray you would increase it. I pray as we draw near to you. You would increase that simple faith, that simple trust in you, that calmness, that assurance, that courage, that confidence. Lord, that you are faithful and that your promises, they happen. They don't always happen in our time. They don't always happen in our way. But God, you are faithful. And you cannot disown your own nature. You cannot disown your own self. So, Lord, you are faithful to us, and we thank you for your faithfulness. The hymn, wrote, hymn writer said, "Great is your faithfulness. Uh, morning by morning, new mercies I see." So, God, uh, help us to uh, to reflect and and to grow in our faith and in our trust in you, even in these times. God, uh, we look around the world and in the in the in the background, there's this there's this worldwide pandemic. In the foreground, there are protests and sometimes riots. Uh, we see things like systemic racism now. On on camera every night, on videos every night, on the news, all over social media. And, and God, we it just it's just one layer of problem after another after another. But God, we remind ourselves that you are in control today. We remind ourselves that you are faithful today. We remind ourselves of your promises today. Lord, we pray for people who are out um, on the front lines today. Uh, even though the the proverbial curve is flattening, God, we pray for your protection. We pray for. Uh, uh uh, courage and boldness for people to be able to share their faith, Lord. Minds are so open to hearing about God today. So we, we pray for that boldness through the Spirit for people to share their faith, even online, God. Uh, I pray for those who are who are watching or who will watch, who will listen to even this feed, who are seeking and searching for meaning and for truth. May we find it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen amen well welcome again everyone and uh great to to be with you today if you're just tuning in with us uh welcome and uh wow june the 14th 2020 i think this is the 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 third month straight now because our first service online was march the 15th so it's june 14th today so, wow, three straight months online, and there are some of you who have been watching every single Sunday, and you join us on our Zoom calls, uh, every time we have a Zoom call, and you're, you keep on keeping on. And uh, thank God. And uh, and um, I want to take a moment to welcome those of you who are brand new with us. Uh, maybe you hooked into our ad on Facebook. Maybe you saw some of our our videos w- uh, during the week, whatever it was. But if you were joining in with us, welcome. My name is Joe Freeland. I'm the pastor of this church. We normally meet in the Cineplex movie theater at Complex Distante in Brossard, which of course is not open presently so we have been meeting online for three months and i want to take a moment to welcome you and if you are brand new with us would you do me a favor and text the key phrase reach the one to nine zero 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 one thirty the numbers on your screen and i would be delighted to send you a nice little electronic gift via email you'll get on our list on our communication list you get uh, messages right on your phone and uh, email and text is how we do it and I can reach you really really quickly and uh, every week I send out an email it's got special links and little things for you to to help grow in your faith so love to put you on that list if you would uh, connect with me that would be great you can also reach us online at citypointchurch.ca for those of you who are not uh, um, that comfortable with having a Facebook account. You can always watch our stuff online or listen through the Podbean uh, platform, uh, a podcast platform, as well as Apple Podcasts. If you look up City Point Church, Quebec. You should find us uh, easily enough. And those of you who are regulars to this, I challenge you, share, share, share. People have to be reminded to hit that little share button, okay? So you do that, host watch parties and that sort of thing. Uh, you never know who is watching. You never know what God will use to speak to a person, okay? I would remind you to keep on praying for our missionaries, Michel and Louis Charbonneau in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. You can actually watch their church online at Eglise uh, La Forteresse Page. You have to put the page at the end there and you'll be able to watch their stuff uh, that they are putting online. as an amazing church. Uh, about a thousand youth and young adults, huge Child Care Plus sponsorship program. Uh, Haiti is one of the poorest nations in the Western world, if not the poorest, and we are proud to support the work of the Charbonneaux and what they're doing in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Pray for... Don and Marie-José Mann, now based in Canada. Really, the simplest way to explain what they do is leadership training worldwide. They are going into Bible colleges and and uh, uh, pastors uh, in training pastors in different nations uh, of the world and train, teaching on leadership, teaching on integrity, that sort of thing. So pray for Don and Marie. And also remember that Monday to Friday we're continuing our series your questions, God's questions. It's been uh, fun the first week so far. There's been some really challenging and really difficult questions that I have tried to answer, and I see that people have been watching and people have been sharing, and I would encourage you to do that. You know, there's going to be a question that I'm going to answer or try to answer, and it's going to be something that your friend who maybe not maybe isn't a professed christ follower just looking around maybe interested it's going to hit them right right where their heart is right where that question is going to be for them is going to be relevant for them and i want to hear questions maybe that you have from you know your atheist friend ask this or your friend from a different religion ask this don't be afraid folks we've got to ask god the hard questions the more that we ask the more we grow God is not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of our doubts. Uh, So you keep on doing that. You can reach me through uh, telephone or text. Our number is on our Facebook page. It's on our website. And I would love to hear from you. Even throw something right onto our feed right now, as long as you don't mind that other people see it. Uh, That's no problem. You can put it right there, okay? And I'd remind you to continue in your faithfulness and your generosity You can do that through our website that you see on the screen. Uh, So many of you have switched your giving method to something electronic, uh, or you put checks in the mail, whatever. I am so thankful for your generosity, because folks, the church feels the pinch just as much as every home, every business is feeling it, and uh, we continue to press on and to press forward. Uh, thanks to your generosity, we have this online platform that we can reach people who are far from God, and uh, we thank you so much for helping us to do that. Okay, so we're continuing our series today called Podcasts from Peter. I am a firm believer that if Peter and Paul and the writers of the New Testament had access to this technology that we have today, they would be podcasting, they would be video casting, they would be using every piece of technology possible to reach people. And so, um, this is this. This is kind of a podcast. If you think of Peter's letters in the New Testament, we have two of them, First Peter and Second Peter, we call them. And if you think of them kind of as podcasts, it puts it more into a sort of 21st century framework. And we learned last week that um, Peter is writing from the city of Rome. You'll see a little map on your screen there. This is probably the early 60s, not 1960s, but 60s, the actual 60s, all right, about 30 30-some-odd years after Jesus' death and resurrection. He is writing from the city of Rome, way up northwest. In your map there, you'll see a little little red circle. That's the city of Rome. If you go uh, southeast, way down in the corner, you see the city of Jerusalem. And then if you move north on your map, you see a few cities, or not a few cities, a few provinces that are circled there. And these are the people to whom Peter is writing uh, both of these letters. These are people who are scattered. So they're fleeing most probably due to persecution that they experienced as new followers of Christ. They would be persecuted by some groups of religious Jewish people, some, not all of course. And they would be persecuted by uh, Nero. Nero did vicious, uh, brutal things to Christians. And so they're scattered and they're they're up in what would be called uh, Turkey today. And so we started, we're going to go chapter by chapter as much as we can. We started with Chapter one last week, and we're into chapter two today. Uh, if you are new to the Bible, I would encourage you to check out the U version app, Y O U version, and that will help you to to find things really, really quickly, um, and uh, and grow in your knowledge of of the Scripture as well. Okay, so we're in 1 Peter chapter two, and there's several themes really that Peter is going to work here. Um, So we're going to try to do them one at a time. The first one is in the first few verses, and we can call this Grow Up. (laughs) Grow Up in Your Salvation. And uh, you see the the, therefore rid yourselves of all malice, and the therefore is there for a reason. He's talking about this call to holiness at the back end of chapter 1. And because of what God has done in our lives, He challenges us to live holy lives. And he says, here, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies. And Peter will do this a lot. He'll draw these similes, like, 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 like. And he says, like this and like that. So, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We can't skip over this too quickly because what this speaks of is this idea that we should be moving forward. If we're followers of Christ, there should be forward motion in our lives. We shouldn't be stagnant. We should be growing, and there should be a, an innate uh, craving to grow. He says, like a newborn baby. Well, what's a newborn baby do when that newborn baby is hungry? it cries and cries and cries because it it can't communicate uh, any other way at that point. And so that little baby, when that baby is hungry, that baby's going to cry. When that baby needs to be changed, that baby's going to cry. When that baby wants to go to sleep, that baby's going to cry. That's their way of communicating. And a lot of their communication is going to be because they're hungry. And so he's saying like newborn babies, they what do they do? They crave milk. They need to be fed, and and when they're newborn, that's their diet. And so he's you he's saying you've got to crave spiritual milk. Well, what is spiritual milk? I mean, it's it's the scripture for sure. And getting into the Bible, uh, let me throw out a little plug for you. Uh, if you have not visited. BibleProject.com, or check them out on social. You need to do that. Uh, wow, this is a, a, an excellent contemporary presentation. Of the Bible, the different books of the Bible, how to read the Bible. Again, it's BibleProject.com. They uh, do this better than anyone that I've seen, and they also link with the UVersion app. If you fish around in the videos section of the UVersion Bible app, you're going to see Bible Project stuff. And uh, they just released a video uh, called How to Read Apocalyptic Literature, especially the Book of Revelation. Wow, have I received a lot of comments about the book of Revelation over the last couple of months. You need to check their videos out. Again, it's BibleProject.com. Crave spiritual milk. Uh, Pray. That's another way that you show that, and that you grow in your relationship with God. If you're new to prayer, well, you talk to God the way that you would talk to a person. and The more that you talk to God, and the more that you watch and see how other people talk to God in the Bible, the more you're going to be able to learn to talk to God, and you, you will grow that way. So you've got to be growing up. There is a spiritual growth that must take place in our lives, even as there is a physical growth that must take place in our lives. And then he reminds them, because these are persecuted people, and he did this in chapter 1. He's going to do it in chapter 2. Remember who you are. Remember, remember, remember. And he he throws out these phrases that are like, hugely significant. Uh, So, um, as you come to him, the living stone, we'll get into the stone part in a minute, uh, rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into what? A spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So stop for a moment. A spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Okay, so we live in the province of Quebec. Maybe some of you are watching, and you're watching from the U.S. or wherever. Well, I'm I'm, I'm here in the province of Quebec, and if you say this to somebody who is raised in the province of Quebec, in particular by the influence of the Roman Catholic Church, they're going to be shocked. But what is being taught here is the priesthood of believers, that when a person becomes a follower of Jesus, this idea of them being a priest is, it is right here in, in Scripture. Now, uh, uh, there's a difference between a priest and a prophet, okay? And to put it simply, the prophet was the person who spoke to the people on behalf of God. The priest was the person who spoke to God on behalf of the people. And here he's teaching you're a holy priesthood. You can come to God on behalf of the people, maybe your own family, your immediate circle, maybe your community. You are the priest of the people when you are a follower of Jesus. Wow. Verse 9, we'll get into the, the into the, the stone stuff in a few minutes, okay? A few minutes, okay? But if you jump down to verse 9, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood you are a holy nation and you are a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light man once you were not a people but now you're the people of god once you had not received mercy now you have received mercy so remember who you are you're being persecuted for your faith you're you're scattered because of your faith i'm writing to his scattered people but remember who you are who you are doesn't change regardless of whatever your condition is in life And that is so true for us today. It almost feels like we've got a blindfold put on us and we're we've been spun around in circles and we don't know where we are i mean folks you you watch the the news and if you sit there in front of the television and watch the major news networks you're going to have that feeling of like blindfolded being in a room spinning around you go on on social media and you see what people have to say it feels like that i mean it's just it's it's like a tornado of things one after the other after the other after the other does that change who you are are as a follower of Jesus. No, it doesn't. And you've got to constantly remind yourself of that this is who I am I'm a child of God this isn't to be said in an arrogant fashion you know we read things like holy nation and royal priesthood and we can come up with kind of an arrogant narrative there that's not what's being said here he's trying to remind people who were down and people who are being pushed down and persecuted in unjust fashions he's trying to remind them ah. Don't forget who you are, because when you remember that, you can make it through anything that life throws at you. And then the next theme that he's kind of got spun in there, he's got all these stones. Um, And it's interesting because Peter, uh, if you see his interaction with Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus gives him a name that's like stone. Um, Cephas, Peter, Peter. And so here he's going to talk about stones and living stones and cornerstones and capstones. And we read this to try and figure out, well, what does he mean by all this? Okay, so verse 4 back there, as you come to him, the living stone. So stones normally don't live, but he's putting that image there. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones remember he said like newborn babies we'll hear like living stones are being built into that spiritual house so it's not a physical house it's a spiritual house for in scripture it says verse 6 and he is going to draw here from isaiah chapter 28 see i lay a stone in zion a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to those who believe, verse 7, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, or in some translations, the cornerstones you've got a cornerstone you've got what may be a capstone here um, you've got living stones and then verse 8 a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall what is he trying to get out here well okay it, it, he's he's drawing an image, from something in the physical world that they would have understood, something that they would understand in architecture. I'll put a picture on the screen of a cornerstone. Uh, This is a cornerstone that you see, and it's at the base of a building, and what the stone did was it held together two walls, and so, if you if you take that stone out, that's like a foundation stone. You take that thing out, your your whole building is going to crumble over time. And these often had a ceremonial um, inscription on them when they laid these foundations or these these bottom layers of these these. Uh, these uh, buildings. And so that is a cornerstone that you see. And what he's saying is that Jesus is like that cornerstone of the spiritual house. He's the cornerstone. And so for you who believe that stone is precious but for people who don't believe the stone that 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 is rejected so they look at the architect looks at the or the contractor let's say looks at the stone says it's not worthy to be a cornerstone and they throw it out and so he says the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, or the cornerstone. So, we're not sure if it was capstone or cornerstone there in verse 7, but let me show you the difference, okay? Uh, You see a cornerstone here. This is a building with an arch, and you see a cornerstone is at the bottom there. You see it? If you pull that stone out, the whole thing is is going to crumble. Then you see a keystone. A keystone is up at the top of the arch. Peter does not address what the keystone is. But then he talks about a capstone, which is a stone at the very, very top. Now scholars debate: you know, is is uh, Peter referring to a cornerstone? Is he uh, referring to a capstone? Regardless, it's it becomes a very important stone. Um, so they, the the people rejected. Jesus or a group of people rejected Jesus, but Jesus has become the foundational stone. And he is a stone that causes men to stumble and he is a rock that makes them fall. He's using passages from Isaiah here, and this this one about the stone the builders rejected is from Psalm 118. Jesus would use this passage. It's used often um, in the New Testament as a reference to what do people do with Jesus. He is that that foundational stone that very significant stone he is rejected by some and so they stumble and he is received by others and he becomes that foundational stone so the question is who is he in our lives jesus would ask the question who do the people say i am who do you say I am? And what did Peter say? He said, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And so Jesus said to him, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, you see. So it's it's your decision as to what to do with Jesus. He's either going to be a stumbling stone or a foundational cornerstone in your life, and you have to decide what that is going to be. And then he moves on with another admonition. Uh, I I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, the author of Hebrews would say the same thing, which, which we read today, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul and live such good lives among the pagans, pagans is a harsh word, but this this is this sort of unbelieving world, so that though they may accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And now you have the last theme of the chapter um, and this is the toughest theme of it. And it will carry on into chapter three. And this is the idea of submission versus retaliation submission versus retaliation listen very closely to this section because it's very relevant for what's going on in our world today especially in the united states and uh, canada submit yourselves he is writing to believers who are persecuted he is writing to people who live under the roman empire under the leadership of rome and emperor Nero, who has governors in these places that he's writing to, that we showed on the map, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority. What in that setting, in that government? In that condition, this was not a democracy, friends, okay? We live under a democracy, and so, you know, we have all these, these rights and all of these things. They didn't have that back then, and he's saying, at least not in that culture and context, and he's saying, you are to submit to every authority instituted among men. Wow. Whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors, and there would be governors there in places like Bithynia. We looked at that last week um uh who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right and this is said in in a general sense okay for it is god's will that by doing good and so many times we want to know what is god's will what is god's will well here's a god's will passage for you it is god's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men live as free men but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil live as servants of god show proper respect to everyone love the brotherhood of believers fear god honor the king what i mean you you look at that and you say, how could he say that to people living in that condition in that time? The principle that he's laying out here is the principle of submission. And Paul would do the same thing. He would do it to his letter in his letter to the church in Ephesus. He would do it in his letter to the church in Colossae. Here Peter is writing in very similar terms to these people in these different provinces in what is now turkey and he's going to go through different categories of relationship and show them how what does submission look like and this is the first one the the governors the leaders the authorities of the land you are to submit to them because in a general sense they will punish those who do wrong and they will commend those who do right and you are to submit to them why and he's going to Get into the wise as he continues to break this down. Uh, but again, folks, this is radical thinking when you're living in those conditions. And Paul would say the same thing, Romans chapter 14. Paul would say in Timothy, he would admonish people to pray for those in authority, to pray for their leaders, even if they didn't like them. That wasn't the point. It was to pray for them because, in a kind of a global, bigger picture sense, the authorities that are there are in a global sense, like in a big picture sense. I'm not talking about in every case, in every detail, but just as a, in a general principle sense, they're there because God put them there, and you say how can you how can we believe that like how can people in the first century believe that they're supposed to submit to a governor in bithynia who's under nero who's going to persecute christians and turn them into you know human torches which is what nero did and that's not what he's saying he's saying you submit because when you do what is right things are going to in a general sense go well for you when you do what is wrong, you're going to be punished, and the authorities that are there will do that. And so he's not picking at every little specific instance in every detail. He's laying down a broad, broad principle here, and then he then he gets into his first category of relationship. And listen closely, because this is two thousand years ago, and if you if you try and and jettison the words that he uses into 21st century culture, you're going to get very, very upset, and you're going to miss the mark. This is what he says, verse 18. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Right away, 21st century, our minds shut down because we see this word slave. Don't miss the point. 2,000 years ago, across the Roman Empire, There were several different classes of people, and one of the broadest classes was the class of slaves. And um, slavery back then was different than uh, slavery that we have, the way we define it for the last 500 years or so. And uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, the, The two were different. The best relationship that we can find in the modern world to try and see, to interpret what Peter is saying correctly, is boss and employee. Because back then, while, while of course slaves were owned by a master, and oftentimes they were owned for life, it was an extremely common Uh, Class of people. And uh, culturally speaking, certainly back then, it was culturally acceptable, although the New Testament writers frown on it. uh, Paul would say, if you can gain your freedom, do so. But he would also tell people, you can be a witness even to your master by the way that you work and the way that you live. A lot of these slaves would, be, would have a lifetime debt that they would never pay, and they would be in that household accountable to that master for the rest of their lives. They would often rise to positions of power and prominence. Some of them would be teachers, some of them would be lawyers, uh, but still they were slaves and they were owned by somebody, but the best, the best modern equivalent would be boss and employee. And we see this in the writings of Paul to the Colossians to the Ephesians does the same thing. So what, and he continues, for it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating, and this again, first century Rome, if you receive, uh, or Roman Empire, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Pause for a moment here. So here you have a condition where a slave, let's say they've stolen something from their master and they are punished by their master, whatever means in the first century across the Roman Empire. And so he, if you take that as an example, well, how is that commendable before God? But let's say you were punished and you didn't steal anything and your master still punished you. He says that there is commendable before God. And we are so I can I can just hear you on the other side of the camera saying, "No way. That that is so offensive. That is so wrong. I'm angry when I hear Peter say that and when I see him write that. Just hold on. And he says, "Christ suffered for you. To this you were called. He is your example that you should follow in his steps." How he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Isaiah 53, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. Remember that word. When he suffered, he made no threats. He certainly could have. Remember in the gospels, he said, I could call legions of angels right now, but he did not. Instead, He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. This is the concept again. Submission versus retaliation. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed for you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls submission versus retaliation now it's highly relevant for us today because now we are finally after i mean so many incidents now and they they keep on coming now if you keep watching the, the the news there is Protest after protest uh, concerning systemic racism, uh, per, uh, police brutality in particular, those two things. Here you have Peter saying, submit, do not retaliate. Now, submission here does not mean, what, you have to be a doormat and endure unjust uh, uh, racism for example unjust police brutality and what is he saying that you have to endure that and that's like you're called by god to endure that is that some sort of some sort of twisted form of penance or something like what is that that's not what he's saying he's saying you entrust judgment to God, when you run into things that are unjust and unfair in life, you trust yourself to God, but you do not retaliate. And he's going to pick this up in chapter 3, and um, he repeats the same kind of thing. He says, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called. Same phrase that's being used there. So Martin Luther King Jr., late 50s and into the 1960s, he used this type of thinking for the peaceful, nonviolent protest. And he was the most successful leader in the modern in modern history uh, in doing this. And his approach comes out of the pages of scripture. It's not that the Christian is supposed to be a doormat. It is that the Christian is not supposed to retaliate. Jesus would say, turn the other cheek. He would say, pray for your enemies and those who persecute you. That is the nonviolent protest Uh, approach. And so this is very, very relevant for us today. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. could have rounded up people and said, okay, which member of the KKK are we going to kill, you know, tonight? That's retaliation. And he did not do that. And now we see these protests largely in North America, but in many cities cities in the world, and they will only be successful when they are non-violent Protests, and when they are peaceful protests, and as I said last week, when they are combined with changing law and getting into the courts and getting into legislature and all of that, we saw the example last week of Wilberforce in in the transcontinental slave trade, and and also in Martin Luther King Jr. in the modern uh, modern time, 1950s, 1960s. These things are founded on Scripture because Jesus is our example it's not that he was a doormat paul wasn't a doormat Uh, you see him fight for his rights in the book of acts but this idea that retaliation is not the way of god submission is and even in difficult circumstances because to this we were called we are following in the steps of jesus when we live that way. And next week, we'll talk about more more uh, groups of relationships where this applies, wives, husbands, and so on, and he continues to break it down for us. Um, so I'm just going to take a moment to, to pray for you. I know this is a heavy uh, chapter, heavy subjects that we're dealing with, but I'm going to take a moment to pray for you, and then we're going to do something really special as we conclude our time together today. Father, we are so thankful, Uh, for your word today. And even as we look at uh, all of these different things that Peter had to say to us and all of the different um, uh, teachings that we get from from your word on things like remembering who we are and growing up in our salvation and uh, this, this very important subject of submission versus retaliation Lord, I pray that uh, above all things, we would just stick close to You, close to Your heart. May uh, may we pick up the pulse of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do in our lives uh, and through us. Father, I, I pray there are people uh, on the other side of this camera and listening or who will listen. And, and Lord, they're going to be in situations this week, where something's going to happen to them that's that's unfair, that's that's unjust. Maybe they'll be at a job, and uh, their boss is going to be is going to be inappropriately um, uh, 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 wrong in something that he does. There's there's something that's going to be wrong that's going to happen to somebody today or or this week. Oh God, even at the job site or wherever. And and Lord, I pray that we would, we would just remember the example of Christ. Lord, our instincts drive us one way, but may your spirit drive us to the right way. And Lord, we have a chance to be an example and to show this world something different um, in the way that we behave. And so I pray you would help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I'd like you to welcome my wife, Janet. She's going to come and going to do a real special segment segment for us today as we start to wrap up the service.
2: Well, good morning, everyone. I trust you enjoy the message, and um, I have the awesome privilege and honor to present to you today the class of 2020. We thought it would be special for us to recognize those who are graduating in our church because they're all special people, right? Hope you guys are doing well. So here we go. We're going to start. Um, so to all of our grads, I know this is a surreal time for all of you missing your friends, signing yearbooks, saying goodbye to your teachers, and the list goes on. For some of you graduates, what was supposed to be a day and evening spent with friends and family is now a mini roll call onto a stage placed in front of your school while your parents sit and wait in their cars in the school parking lot and watching from afar as you receive your diplomas. You're probably thinking not fair, right? But you know what you are all that you are all wonderful and perseverant. You never thought in your wildest dreams that you would experience a pandemic likened to that a a hundred years ago and witness firsthand a significant need for change in our culture as to how we treat each other despite our ethnicity and the color of our skin. But now it all unfolds before us. I say to you, don't fear change. Instead, embrace it. You are all fearfully and wonderfully created in God's image to fulfill his purpose in your life. So without further ado, I introduce to you I introduced to you the class of twenty twenty. So last weekend we decided to surprise our grads with some cupcakes. Okay, so the first one is Erezzi, graduating from Cedar Elementary, going to St. Lambert High School in the fall. He's the eldest and first son to graduate from his household. A big and exciting moment for his family. Way to go, Erezzi. Eliza, graduating from St. Lambert Elementary, attending Centennial Regional High School in the fall. Eliza migrated to Canada a little over a year ago and quickly had to learn a new culture and grasp all areas in her learning in a new school. Way to go, Eliza. Joel, graduating from St. John Fisher Elementary, going to John Renee High School. He's the oldest of two brothers. Congrats Joel. You did it. Jonathan. Jonathan serves on our church board and he's finishing up a Master's of Management in Analytics degree at McGill. Well done, Jonathan. Zoe, graduating from St. Luke High School and plans to attend Vanier College, where she hopes to make a bright future for herself. Congrats, Zoe. And last, Sarah. Sarah is our daughter. She's graduating from Centennial Regional High School and will be attending Marinopolis College, where she will be continuing her studies in, in their Honors Liberal Arts program. Way to go, Sarah. And there you have it. Those are grads for Class of 2020. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you, Janet, for helping out today and, and for all of your work in the uh, those visits uh, sorry for the glitch in the sound there guys I played the wrong track but uh, I am reminded as we list as we're listening to the, the, the stories and the different people uh, the the writer Moses wrote in the book of Numbers right and this is the music that's playing in the back uh, courtesy of, of Sean uh, the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and uh, give you peace. And may that be true not only in all of these graduates as they live through this sort of twilight zone time uh, in their lives and in this world, but for all of us. May God keep us. May he cause his face to shine upon us and give us peace. So thank you so much for joining in today, and uh, the Lord bless you. Uh, We'll be on a Zoom call at about 1 p.m., or exactly 1 p.m., so just in an hour from now. And if you did uh, register with us through sending uh, sending the Reach the One key phrase to that phone number, I think it'll come on the screen now one last time you can be a part of that Zoom call as well. And so it'll be great to check in with everyone today. Until we meet again, God bless you.